0: Welcome along to Forever Blue, the podcast. Uh, looking back, of course, on what's happened over the last few days and looking ahead to the international break. Though I think most of the reflection today will actually be on what happened against Wolves yesterday as we record this. On a Monday Um, It was a a dramatic game It saw City lose the match by two goals to nil And after that uh, Polarised versions of opinions from fans So we have in the studio today Along with me Three of the regulars from the Forever Blue podcast We've got Emily, Adam and Will Uh, And we're also going to hear very shortly From Harlan Who was going to be here tonight But has had train problems But we're going to let you hear what he had to say Immediately after the game anyway Uh, Just before we start A big thanks to uh, CharlesLouis.co.uk who are Chartered Mortgage Advisors who sponsor the podcast and are sponsoring it all season and that's thanks to Dave who's the man in charge there so that means uh, of course um, having dealt with Dave and knowing a little bit about his company that I can recommend them to you if you're in the process or your kids are in a process or your parents are in a process or whatever it is of buying a house and you need some mortgage advice, just go to charleslouis.co.uk, give him a shout out, tell them you heard about us as well on the Forever Blue podcast and I'm sure Dave will do his very best to, to give you whatever advice you need, check them out on the, on the internet as well. Right, let's get straight into it then, let's talk about the game against Wolves because that's what everybody's talking about at the moment. But before we hear from the the three cast members who are here with me today, you like that cast members? Ah yeah. Yeah, impressed. <laughs> Will's falling asleep in the corner, but he'll wake up in a minute. I'm going to let you hear what what Harlan had to say. So Harlan, of course, is a regular contributor to this, but also to the uh, to the vlog. So this is what he said straight after the game. Ian, listen.
1: Um, right, one, thing, one thing that people know about me is while I'm not reactionary. Two I'm realistic and I'm free. I always kind of know about the opposition before we play them. They were always going to threaten us like that, playing with a back three, playing with two wing backs, especially with Adama Traore, with the pace he's got. The scores the second for them there, but it's to be, if, if, if I'm being honest licking the blue tinted glasses off because everybody's going to want to wear them tonight and say oh it's only one game that's been coming for a few weeks that Norwich managed to beat us obviously not like that but they managed to beat us Otamendi I've said has been a suspect for five games of this season so far and today it was a calamity and I'm sorry for swearing but it was an absolute calamity on Otamendi's behalf no matter who he plays with whether it be Fernandinho whether it be Stones whether it be Laporte he always leaves them in the dog and it's as simple as that Wolves deserve to be 2-3 or three up within the first 25 minutes today. And if Silva scores the free kick, it changes the game. But overall today, we deserve to lose that game. And we tried to play too much pretty stuff in the second half and we needed to be more direct. We needed to be, be, be more alert and more aware of the passing options to try and penetrate that Wolves' defence in a more efficient way. We tried to play too pretty. Wolves sat back. Well, fair play to them. Great plan and they hit us on the counter-attack twice and they've absolutely punished us and we fully deserve to get beat in that game and not only that Ian but overall, all over the day we were trying to put balls into the box with three average six foot four centre-halves in there Bolly Bennett and, uh, and Cody and for me it be Sterling Aguero and Jesus at the end and Bernardo if you want to call it that we're not beating them in the air we lost ideas we, 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 lost, we lost the plan the plan went out the window and we failed Massively today, so we've got to we've got to come back and we've got to go again because eight points
0: now, it's a lot of work to a lot of work to do. There you go. That was uh, the emotional outpouring <laughs> from Harlan straight after the game. I don't know how well you you three could hear it, but um what did, what did you make then of uh, of the comments and and what were your own feelings and have you, have they changed in the twenty four hours since the game was played?
2: Um I think firstly I and. City fans might not like it but I want to give credit where it's due to Wolves because they came, they'd done the homework, they had a game plan and they executed it to perfection. They kept the shape throughout the game, they were disciplined, they were really well organised, really well drilled, they wanted it more, they worked so so hard for it, Uh, they came out straight away and anything that we kind of did, they cope with it really well. The back line um, with the height and the balls, I kind of disagree a little bit with Harlan about the directness and playing too pretty because we tried pretty, it didn't work, but we did try direct with the passes constantly and that was one of my main bugbears. It was never, ever going to work from the wings whipping the balls across because every time one of their defenders was there, what, six foot three defenders against our forwards and it was so obvious, but it it seemed to be constant from the wings all the time and i thought we'd go in at, at half time recognize that it hadn't worked regroup and kind of change it a little bit but oh no we came out and it was the same story again we we're watching it constantly and every ball we put in they just cope with it so well because they've got the height and we've got no height up front whatsoever so that was really frustrating for me but yeah wolves they came and they didn't do a job on us because I thought they played really well and it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Norwich game but for us to be at home and not score any goals and have only two shots on target, we looked really out of sorts, like quite worryingly out of sorts. The press play wasn't working. Nothing we seemed to do was coming off. Down the right in the first half, you had Walker and Mares arguing with one another which was embarrassing, and silly, sloppy errors, misplayed passes constantly, the midfield movement so slow with David Silva and Gundogan together. We've seen it for the past couple of games, their movement in the middle so, so slow. And big-name players off really off the ball, like Aguero, Sterling, Jesus. Yeah, if David Silva would have got that free kick in, it might have been a different story, but overall, a really bad day at the office and, and just worrying.
3: Yeah, I think quite a lot of the simple stuff we got wrong like you think the first 20 minutes passes were going astray that we that I wouldn't you know I shouldn't be putting astray on a Sunday League football pitch like we looked just off completely I was hungover and they were playing like I felt it was it just wasn't good at all and I I think it is is more intricate than just the the bad off-pass as well. I think think we missed De Bruyne a lot. I think by playing Gundogan and Rodri, it just meant that we weren't attacking enough in our play. It sort of felt like a a 4-2-4 and Rodri and Gundogan were sat too deep. Yes, Rodri is that man and he should be the man to protect that back four, which clearly is a bit dodgy. But Gundogan wasn't joining David Silva as De Bruyne joins him or as Bernardo Silva might join him when he plays in the middle. I felt like... It was David Silver was left to do all that creative stuff himself and it's a lot easier for Wolves and any team to mark David Silver out the game by putting two players on him than when we've got two. When we play David Silver and Kevin De Bruyne, we all know you can't deal with both of them and we, we've played like that for the past few years. You know you can't deal with both so you try and mark one and then the other one gets forward and then they're playing the one-twos down the wing with Mahrez and with Sterling and when those one-twos come off, you find that your wingers are in the box, they're in the six-yard box, as we find Sterling and Mahrez in, in, the past couple, in, the, in the past few weeks and over the last couple of seasons with Sane as well. But the other, But yesterday, we just didn't have that second player or even that one player free to play those one-twos. So we were left with the wingers just outside the box, not being able to get in, and that's where the crosses come from. That's why we made thirty. It was the most crosses we made all season. Thirty crosses, thirty odd, it's like one thirty-one or thirty-two crosses, and they were just at a silly height. They weren't fast. They weren't low like Mendy would put in. We missed him. But they were just loopy because we just couldn't get ourselves into the spaces, into that box, because we didn't have the creative midfielders to, to make that space and get us through. So, yeah, it, it was massive disappointing, but you could see it coming from the first 15 minutes, couldn't you? Defensively, we're not good enough to deal with being that bad going forward. Now,
0: there was a guy who, who came on my uh, vlog yesterday who I tweeted out one line from him, and it got... Quite, and this probably focuses the mind more than anything else in this debate. So I just want to play this and let you hear what he had to say. It's only a very short clip. Uh, I, I don't know the name of the guy. He was just a random guy who came up to me afterwards. Um, and this was his verdict after the game. That's, the title is most definitely gone. It's gone. As far as I see it, what we've got to do now is... we've It's early in the season, you convinced of that. I don't see, on what I saw today, So some of the key players um we're relying on them too much the quality of the opposition is improving each and every year so it's not it's not just going to be us so that's just a little bit of a flavor of what he had to say now the immediate reaction when i put that that uh, out was two people within seconds and this to me just illustrates the polarization of views in these moments right michelle said uh, what a lunatic there's 30 games to go for crying out loud. So that was her reaction, <laughs> right? But uh, Cole Matt, um on Twitter, same, almost the same second put, he was 100% spot on, brilliant anal- uh, analysis. So those are your two polarised views. What views have we got here? We haven't heard from, from Will yet, but this, this guy just said, that's it, the title race over. Now, just before you answer it, let's just throw a few facts out there. This is the biggest gap there's been at this stage of the season in Premier League history between top and second. Obviously, we know last season City was seven points behind Liverpool at one point, but that was at Christmas. Um, this is eight-point gap in eight games. Now, when I used to work at the BBC, a um, esteemed colleague of mine called Jimmy Wagg used to say that if you were a point a game behind, that was too much to to. to catch. Now, obviously, he's talking about eight games to go, maybe in a relegation battle or whatever, but a point a game ends up being too much. That's where City are at the moment, a point a game. So there is a big gap there. Yes, there's a lot lot of games to go, but let's go away from the stats as well. Um, This isn't me giving an opinion, I'm just saying let's get away from the stats a little bit too, throw a few in if you want, but we're watching City play. So I want, to, I want to know from all three of you, as well as answering the question about is the title race over, is this a, a different quality of City performance this season? I'm sure there'll be reasons and, 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 and uh, sort of evidence put forward as to why that is, if it is. But is this a, a, an underperforming City team compared to the last two seasons? <laughs> so there's a few questions in there. Let's start with is the title
4: race over, Will? No, definitely not Um, Obviously everyone's saying 8 points is the biggest gap At this point of the season That's just a fact yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, obviously, I can't dispute the facts, but to me, that means nothing, because we have to play them twice, and if we win those games, that's six points, and then, basically, you're expecting Liverpool not to lose another game in that meanwhile. So, at this point, and obviously, my job's to play devil's advocate in a debate, right?
0: So, I'm going to do it with you all, right? If City played Liverpool next, in the next game, would you be confident that they would beat them?
4: Part of me would yes, because how many times in the past three or four seasons have we had sort of really disappointing games where we think it's all over? Um, I'm thinking uh, 2014 where we lost at Anfield. Uh, that was it. You you know, give them the title then and there. They were all coming out the ground singing they were going to win the league, and we come back and we won every single game. Six six on the trot, I think it was, as the, as the song goes. Um, so yeah, I mean, until we are mathematically out of it then I will always have hope because we we were saying before, every single league that we've won apart from the Centurion season has been pretty lucky, we've had something go our way where we we were in a position where we shouldn't really have won the league and yet we still won the league and I've always got that confidence about City, always. But that luck
0: can't continue forever can it? Why not? If that's what it is, luck. Why not? Alright, what do the other two (laughs) think?
2: It would depend on whether we'd be playing Liverpool home or away, because if it's away, then it, you know. And the
0: question, by the way, is based on as we are now, not yeah. if everybody's fit and all the rest of yeah. it. Yeah. I'm talking about if we played but, them tomorrow. Even, so,
4: so when, sorry to interrupt, but when we lost 3-2 to Norwich, there was a bit of d- debate and saying, you know, is something going wrong, has the mentality changed? And then we won 8-0 the next game. And it, I always believe that about City. I believe we are the best. I think we'll show it.
2: Yeah, it's, I don't think it's over and I'm uh, maybe it's blind optimism and there's a lot of people writing us off obviously now but I don't think it's over. I don't think you can say it's over so early in a season even with the point difference and they'll probably start up up with the mind the gap stuff if they haven't already in fair play to them because we did it didn't we we enjoyed it we you've got to be able to take it as well as give it out. Um, but I don't think it's over by any stretch of the imagination. But
0: Did you feel that immediately at the end of the game? Is today or is yeah. that 24 hours later? Yeah, and I, that, that was an immediate feeling as my well. My
2: immediate gut reaction after the game was just a bit uh, feeling numb like, what have I just watched? Because I, I, I struggled to kind of process the performance that I'd just seen because it was so out of character for Sissi of recent times. I know the Norwich game, obviously, it in in a few ways it was quite similar to the Norwich game but we had a, like many more chances, we created much more in the Norwich game um, yesterday we just looked really, really inept um, I don't think it's over but I worry about the head-to-heads and, and where Liverpool will drop points because at the moment people can say they might be getting the, the, the rub of the green, the looks with them but the luck has been with us like Will said and you know, luck helps you along the way, decisions help you along the way but they've got that at the moment, they've got all the momentum's with them and when you look at their fixtures it's where they drop points and the head-to-heads <laughs> if we go to Anfield right now as it is, we would get mauled We've got to be honest with it You know, we've got to be honest with the defence and where we're at with the defence because it's a makeshift defence. I don't like pointing the finger at injuries, but you have to just say, you know, Stones, Laporte, Mendy again. That's three big defenders out. So it is kind of patching it up at the moment and it's where we go from here. Do we give Garcia a chance and Taylor Bellis? Do we do that moving forward? Because I don't see why not after. I don't like singling out individuals because. Yesterday, it was the whole team was culpable. It wasn't. You can't just say, "Oh, it was Gundogan," or "It was Otamendi." The whole team should take responsibility. And in a way, Pep as well. People might not like that because obviously they'll say, "Hang on a minute, all the trophies, all the silverware." But you can. You're allowed to be. You're allowed to give criticism when it's due and justified. You can be respectful of all the silverware that we've won recently. But on a game-by-game game basis, if it's justified, then you, you're allowed to criticise. Nobody should be immune from that. So we have to be able to, to do that. And like we, like we give praise out when it's due, we have to point the finger if and when necessary. And then obviously in the next game, if we win 3-0, then we heap the praise again. But, you know, the inquest is here and understandably so losing 2-0 at home to Wolves.
0: That's all a fair comment.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think you can say... Like everyone says, you can't say the league is over now. I said it was over at Christmas uh, in the Centurion season when we were 15 points in front of United on Boxing Day. And I think if it gets to that point, I think if you if you can say it when you're in front, you should be saying it when you're behind. So I think if it gets to that point, you know, Boxing Day, 15 points, that's stupid. Uh, but eight points at this stage, No. Um, I said it yesterday that if this was a Man United team under Alex Ferguson, eight points ahead after eight games, it's over for me because United don't give away those sort of things very easily. They did in 2012, but they don't do very easily and very often. Liverpool, we know, have the, the. They've got that monkey on the back at the minute of not being able to win a Premier League trophy and if something's going to help us, it's going to be that, the fact that the fans sort of heap all this pressure onto them, even though they're, they're getting behind the team and they're doing it really well, but it always just seems to get a bit too much for them. And I think that when, I think that the, at the minute they've been able to pl- play with such freedom because it's so early in the season and no one's really batting much of an island. Everyone's going, oh, they're great, they're great. But no one's actually, not many people are going, oh, like the, the title's are ours, the title's are ours yet yeah, because it's so early. But when it turns past Christmas, the the pressure's going to start being cranked up and if we if we get some if we get the players back and we get we get a run of a run of form and uh, we've got some good good easy games coming up apart from the one at Anfield i really do think that you know we've got a really good chance of this i think we're going to be i can see us getting closer to liverpool um than than we are now over the next few months uh, even though we've got uh, injuries we're going to have stones back soon so you know that's a massive plus i think Otamendi just needs a bit of a bit of molly Coddling at the back and I think a, a centre-half who has played there for, for a while even though John Stones is still young himself will just still shore him up a little bit and certainly when we bring Laporte back that'll that'll change the game. So we've just got to keep within touching distance of Liverpool while we've got these problems and then hope that we can we can go go ahead and make it better soon.
2: Yeah, I don't want it to be all doom and gloom because that would be ridiculous because we are still in ultimately a really, really strong position um and players will come back from injury as well you know like de Bruyne will be back soon and so it's still all to play for we've got a long long road ahead but what worries me is like how we cope with the rotation as well with so many games if we're going to be in all the cups with with the injuries at the moment how we how we cope with the rotation and keeping the players that we do have fit um but there's a long long road ahead and we've got some incredible talent you know um all it takes is a bit of a surprise result, maybe. You don't know what, ha- what fu- The beauty of football is expect the unexpected. So just a little surprise result. <laughs> you never know. United might really surprise yeah. everybody. <laughs> they <won't be> <laughs> it was all a <laughs> You know, like if Leicester would have got the draw, then it might not be as, quite as painful as it is right now. But we you know all we can do is look to Palace away now and, and move forward and, and see. Where we go?
3: That's not an easy game. Actually, no, it's not an easy game. But
0: that's certainly no. not an easy game. I know, I know. I, I'm not a big statistics fan, but I'll chuck this one in as well, just part of the debate. Uh, the maximum number of points you can get in a season is 114. We got 100 in the Centurion season and 98 last season to to win the league. Uh, City have already dropped um, eight points, which means the maximum they can get at the moment is 106. So to achieve the Centurion total, you can only drop six more points in the last 30 games. Uh, To get 98, you can only drop the amount they've already dropped, again, to reach 98 points. Looking at Liverpool at the moment, um, and I know that we can have, and there will be angry people listening to the podcast, talking about the penalty, uh, the Mane penalty. Was it? Wasn't it? Uh, When I watched it in real time... My instinct was it was a penalty. When I watched the replay, because of the way that he exaggerated it and the 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 less strenuous touch than it first appeared to be my mind went the other way whichever way you look at it and obviously there are all sorts of conspiracy theories out there those will and won't be given and you know that's the way football goes and what Liverpool did was they kept going right to the end and they found a way to win so we might not like that and some people listening to this will say that was never a penalty VAR and all the rest of it and you're entitled to that view but the fact is that they got those points Um, Liverpool do play United next we do hope of course United do a (laughs) favour but looking at the way United are playing at the moment I wouldn't put too much hope on that but you never know but the point I'm making is there isn't much room now for manoeuvre I mean if City unless this is going to be won by 90 points uh, you know like the old days if it's going to be anywhere near the totals we've seen in the last two seasons City are going to have to be pretty much perfect from here on in and that's with Mendy having recurring injuries, that's with Laporte not back until the new year, Sane not back until the new year. Um, okay, Stones is coming back in, but Vincent Kompany went in the summer as well. And There's a, there's another debate to be had, which we've touched on before in the podcast, as to whether City should have actually signed a new centre-half to replace, replace Vincent Kompany, rather than a right-back when we already had a right-back. Um, and then there's the whole right back situation and Cancelo and Rodri. We're going to need more than our here, guys, but you see my point that it, I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm li- literally putting the facts on the table. And when you look at them like that, then it is going to take something really, really special if City are going to win the league. Let's put it that way.
2: Yeah, when you look at last season and how fine the margins were, it. It all falls down to millimetres last season. um, The Stones clearance off the line and the Aguero goal, I think, was that at Turf Moor. How close it was last season. There was literally no room for error. And at the point we are right now, you know, you kind of, you do think to yourself, wow. It feels like a little bit of a mountain to climb, but... There's a long, long way to go and I do want to be optimistic and I, do, I don't I do want to write us off now and, and maybe people are throwing the towel in and I have seen a few people um, saying it's over but I want to keep the faith and I, I want to play the, the long game. We're more than capable of pulling it back. Like I say, you don't know what will happen with Liverpool, you don't know they, they could drop points unexpectedly and you know we've had injuries unexpectedly as well so we're kind of dealing with that as well and maybe we haven't got the strength in depth that we had there vincent company obviously has left a gigantic hole and we miss his leadership skills as well on the pitch we don't really have a leader on the pitch who rallies the troops i want to see fire in the belly and that is what really got to me at the weekend as well i didn't see much passion or desire, Wolves just wanted it so much more. They were so fired up, like they did the huddle at the beginning and they were all like, come on, you're not seeing that anywhere on the pitch with City, not at all throughout the 93 minutes. There was none of that. The the desire was not there. Is
0: that not the most worrying thing That was a
2: real cause for concern, seeing that, because not only did we look out of sorts and and the pressing... Play was nowhere near as effective, and the individual performances. But yeah, the, the the lack of desire was was really worrying for me.
4: I think the um the one thing I can we were talking about in the stadium. And You're we, the optimist of the group here, Will.
0: So come I on, give us. Uh, well, I know, <laughs> I know. But well, it,
4: in fact, this isn't very optimistic. <laughs> oh, what gosh. we were saying: other players complacent has two years of yeah. absolute dominance made them think that they can pass the ball past whoever they want and do whatever they want whenever they want. And I was sort of in agreement at that because, like Emily Emily was saying, with Wolves doing the huddle and getting fired up, we just sort of trotted onto the pitch and expected to win. And I think it's it's, it's something that can be turned around. Obviously, a couple of losses, hopefully they'll get their heads in gear and realise that it's not as easy as that. And And I don't think, like, Otamendi, Gundogan... Form is temporary, but class is permanent, and I think they are very good players. I think they just need to get a bit of confidence in them, get the fans behind them, get a good run of results going, and hopefully.
0: Yeah, I actually am going to completely go against the the accepted um, view here because uh, the other night when City played Zagreb um, during the game, I picked out Gundogan has been superb. After the game, uh, Pep Guardiola said exactly the same. He said he's one of the best signings the club's ever made. And at the time when I tweeted that out, I got a bit of stick on that. Um, Once Pep had said it, the stick went away. After this (laughs) game at the weekend, now you're hinting that Otamendi and Gundogan were two of the culpable players. No,
4: no, they're they're the ones taking the blame. I don't think they deserve the blame, but they're the ones taking the blame. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Well, they are taking
0: the blame from some people. I actually thought Gundogan was one of the few bright lights in that performance at the yeah. weekend um, I, and for what it's worth, I mean obviously the defence is, is the thing that's coming under most scrutiny, uh, there were two or three issues I would look at there and I'd, I'd love your views on this once I've set out my point. Um, playing Cancello who's still to settle properly into the team at left back from the start seemed a very strange selection albeit that I'm not Pep Guardiola uh, Kyle Walker starts the game at right back City have got a lack of pace in central defence because Fernandinho and Otamendi neither of them are known for pace and both of them in their 30s the fastest player on the pitch therefore defensively was Kyle Walker strangely then he's taken off at half time the one quick player who might be able to snuff out a counter-attack from Wolves and Cancelos moved across and Zinchenko's brought on I found that very odd and then the protection in front of the back four and everybody's been singing the praises of Rodri all season Um, if you watch the goals that City conceded Rodri was way upfield lost the ball and then made no attempt at all to chase back and I don't see at the moment And I want to see it, and I hope I see it, but I don't quite see what is special about Rodri yet. I've said it before, and other people have said, you know, what you are talking about, and put me right, and everything. Well, I'm quite happy to see him become an absolute superstar, and I believe he has the tools to be that, but I don't think he is at the moment. And... Admittedly, if he had Laporte and company, for example, behind him, Rodri might find the whole process of coming in and being the new Fernandinho a lot easier, a lot more straightforward because he wouldn't be under the same pressure because he would know that behind him are two superb defenders who have great experience. But in the situation we're in at the moment, that position just in front of the the two central defenders is more important than ever. And it's always been a crucial position. That's why Yaya Toure was such a big player for City. That's why Fernandinho is such a big player for City. So to me, the fact that he was playing Pep was playing Gundogan and Rodri together yeah. told me that he wasn't confident in in Rodri as a defensive midfielder. Or you can translate that another way to say, he certainly didn't have confidence in his defence. But either way, I didn't. I I thought Rodri had a poor game at the weekend. Um, some people have highlighted that. And Gundogan was actually uh, trying
3: very, very hard to keep the, the, the tempo
0: of the game going.
3: Yeah, I see where you're coming from on that. I, you know, I, I mentioned that I didn't think Gundogan was getting forward enough, but perhaps it was the fact that he couldn't get forward enough because he was sort of trying to share Rodri's role there. I think Pep shouldn't have set up to try and make Gundogan share that role with Rodri. But I understand what you're saying. I I agree, Rodri. He looks good when he's got the ball. he Looks comfortable on it. He's great going forward from what I can see. But he's not quite learned the Fernandinho side of the defensive bit yet. I just don't think he's good enough facing his own goal going backwards. Uh, and I think that's probably why he did try and play Gundogan there. So he was, even though I'm criticizing Pep for playing Gundogan in that position and trying to help Rodri, it's sort of a it's a lose lose because. He did that, and that 's what for me meant that we weren 't good enough going forward. but if he hadn 't have done that, then we might have conceded a few more i I think that we 've always got a defensive mistake in us, but if we 're on the game going forward, it doesn 't matter that much. And I think that we should have we should have had enough going forward yesterday to be able to you know concede one or two goals and still win the game we've we 've never been. Well, we have been good over the last couple of years defensively, but you've always known that there might be, you know, there's a chance of a stone's mistake or a little error at the back. But we've always been good enough to get two or three goals or four goals that that one mistake wouldn't matter. Now it's mattering because at the minute we're not good enough going forward either. Isn't the
0: difference though, because they're a bit more pedestrian in that midfield area, that now you're having to rely on David Silva or Raheem Sterling or Mahrez or Aguero to almost produce bits of magic individually to win the game for you so you have talked about the silver free kick that hit the crossbar and if that had gone in that might have made a difference but we're not used to as City fans in this modern era watching a City team that is reliant on individuals it, it happens slightly under Mancini at the beginning of his tenure but this team is all built around the team structure and I mean, here's other things I will throw in at the moment. I thought Mares has been playing really well recently in a couple of games. I thought he had another off day um, uh, in the game uh, like so many players did against wolves. Uh, obviously one of his passes led to one of the breakaways that I don't think led ultimately to a goal, but could so very easily. But he also slows things down and because Pep will only play him on the right, that means by definition Raheem Sterling always has to play on the left. Personally, I think Raheem Sterling is far more effective when he's on the right-hand side. And then there is the sort of elephant in the room of the much-loved Sergio Aguero doesn't look quite like the same player he was a year or two ago to me. Is that because he's just getting older is that as some people have been suggesting because he's he's covering for some sort of an injury or a problem Um, to me uh, whilst this all sounds very very negative it's just me trying to after years of experience of watching the game sometimes you just get a sense when things are not quite right and that's how it feels to me at the moment
2: yeah. Uh, st- like, you don't know how to answer that, do you? I do, I, I do, but it's just, it's frustrating because you've seen them all play at the top of the game. Sterling started the season on fire and for the past couple of games, he's been really off the boil and that's really out of character for him. I've, I thought Aguero was brilliant last season um, and I think he's very, very much a confidence player. Um, whether it be individually or working as a team, firing on confidence as, as a team together. Um, we've seen in the past that he kind of gets himself in a little bit of a rut of two or three games where he gets his head down and then, bang, when we're winning again, he flies. Um, Jesus can be a little bit like that as well. But I, I do I just think, collectively, on a whole, they are all culpable and the everybody loves the scapegoat so they like to point the finger and Gunda one for some reason I don't even I think it's people who don't really understand football that well who just point like to point the finger because they don't really see how effective he is and, and what what a job he does because he is protecting Roderick, protecting the defence. So Pep must mustn't have much faith in the back line because, you know, that's how deep he's playing it. And he's relying on forward play that isn't just there at the moment. You know, it's just not working. And it was just so frustrating to watch. And like I I keep saying, it was out of character. It was out of sorts. Those balls in constantly. What are you thinking? Like, it was never going to work. I was screaming. I was stood up screaming going, it didn't work in the first half and it's not going to happen in the 89th minute. Stop it. Just what? There was a guy next to me in the south stand and says, it looks like, you know, we've been found out a little bit because there's no plan B. And it's, it doesn't need to be a plan B. But there's, but there's, <laughs> but yeah, but it's Norwich and now Wolves yeah. and. It, yeah. We just
3: need to do plan A better, and we're not doing it well <laughs> enough. We know, I think that Guardiola has, I think Guardiola has done enough over the past two years, for us to. Just forget about all this. You you need a big striker, or you know, you need to go direct sometimes. This is don't the keep way that we're. Balls in like this that, is the man. way, exactly. Play it on the deck. No, I agree. But that was sort of a plan B. That isn't the way we usually play. We don't usually throw balls in the box like that. That's not. That is a plan B, effectively. And plan B is nowhere near as good as plan A, which is get it on the <laughs> deck. Get it low and, and, and try and make something happen down the wings, cut it in, get the low cross in, not the high cross, and get someone to tap yeah. it in. That's yeah. that's plan A. And we weren't doing no. that today. So that guy saying we've got no plan B, you're literally watching plan B right there, and it was failing very miserably. So, it, yeah.
4: It felt like Zinchenko was brought on purely to put in those deep crosses, you know, from the, from the touchline, and nobody was getting them at all. But it no. felt like he was given specific instructions to just lump
0: it in. Target he seemed to be aiming for. I agree with you, Will. When he came on, was he was hitting it not into the six yard or trying to anyway? Not hit it into the six yard box, but over the oh, six best. yard box. For somebody like Bernardo, then knock it back to in. knock it back yeah. in a sort of second
4: header. Just wasn't working. So, at all, I, I, yeah, they I can... were
2: hoping for the OG in the end. I think with the height, of they had all their <laughs> players in the box. Maybe they were just hoping for like you know a mad deflection off one of their players because we just don't have the height for that.
0: And Crystal Palace is the next game, and here's another fact. Um, if City were to lose at Crystal Palace, and this is this is all all doom and go. gloom here. But if City were to lose at Crystal Palace, first of all, Crystal Palace would leapfrog City, uh, but other teams because now there's a big bunch of teams that are within one and two points of City. Yeah, in theory. The Blues could be about fourth or fifth by the time that Crystal Palace game is finished. That will then focus minds in a completely different way. We can sit here today doing this podcast saying, still second, it's all about whether City can catch Liverpool. Suddenly, they lose the Crystal Palace game, which I'm guessing, because of the optimism in the room, you're all going to say, that's going to happen, we're going to bounce back. But... At the moment, it feels like, having just watched that game, why could Crystal Palace not win that? Mm-hmm. They've always been a little bit of a thorn in City's side. Wilfrid Zaha's an excellent player. Palace have got themselves into the top four here. And uh, I'd say Roy Hudson is a pretty, you know, canny manager, if that's the right word. I wouldn't take that Palace game by any means as a, as a foregone conclusion to bounce back in.
3: But what happens if City were to lose it? I think that, we'd still, I think that we've still got to focus on the league title, even if we were to lose that game. I, I, don't think, I don't think we're going to lose that game. I wish we didn't have an international break, to be honest. Um, I know a lot of people saying, oh, it's good because we're going to get injuries, we're going to get people back from injury, but City are always good when they bounce back, as we saw about two weeks ago. We went straight after Norwich and then battered Watford. I wish we could play tomorrow, because I think we'd, we'd beat we'd be Crystal Palace tomorrow, because we will be really up for it. But the, the international break is going to take a bit of the sting out, of our tail, I think. In terms of, we're going to be really up for it today and tomorrow. But people are going to just over the international break calm down a little bit, and I like, I like that bit of anger in us sometimes when we're, when we're losing. Um, but if if we do lose that Crystal Palace game, I think we still got, to, we've got, to, still got to concentrate on the title. We might well be eleven points, perhaps, but down by then if United aren't going to do us a favour. Um, but as the club that we now are, we've just still got to focus on the title and have that in our in our wake. We know that over a season, we are going to be better than the likes of Crystal Palace pick, uh, picking up points. So I still can see us finishing in the top two, regardless of whether we win the Crystal Palace match or not. So we still have our sights aimed high, I think, even if we were to lose that game.
4: What, what I found interesting, you know all the, uh, the stuff on Twitter about Pep Out, hashtag Pep Out? It was From tra- rival
2: fans. Yeah, yeah.
4: exactly. A- anyway, um, I was wondering, at what point, uh, how long of a losing streak would you go on this season before you sacked Pep, or would you, would you, would you finish? 17th and still let him manage wow, next man. season that is opening up a I, can of worms because I was going to actually can we say, not
2: pull on that
0: thread <laughs> well I was, I, was, I was it's interesting I, it's
4: in, I'm not saying I agree with it but I was
0: going to say you, you know obviously him... we've all seen the reaction on social media and at the beginning of the podcast illustrated the, the polarising of views and these are the moments as a fan I mean I questioned it slightly at the end at the end of my vlog and said this is when you find out the real who the real fans are and at the moment City have attracted a lot of fans who have come along because of the marvellous football and we all welcome these fans by the way and we want them to be proper City fans but there may be now a a bit of a new um, wave of City fans who are not used to these types of slip-ups. Now it's, it's hardly terminal and I'm the first to admit that we can get too carried away here by a couple of defeats so i've asked questions that are designed to try to get you to tell me how you're feeling at this point not necessarily because that's the way i felt but the next question that leads on from that which is sort of what will's alluding to is how seriously do we take these two extreme views? Because you've got, the, on the one hand, the extreme optimists who think that even if we were 50 points behind, as long as there's 51 to play for, we can win the league. And it's ridiculous to suggest that they can't. But then you've got the other extreme, which is the, the guy... Um, who was very eloquent uh, and listened to him on the vlog, who I played that little clip of saying the title race is over. Who people accused then on Twitter, he's not a real City fan, he wasn't wearing colours, he probably never, go- you know. And, and you think, hang on it, whoa, whoa, whoa. The guy came over very genuine to me. I believe he was a, a total City fan who goes every week, and he was perfectly entitled to that view, whether you agree it or not. But those are the extremes of the. Of the views, and you know, and you get in it, but some of them might be opposition fans, but you are you will get a few hashtag Pep outs and everything
4: because that's what happens. What, how do you deal with that? Yep. What do you say to those all these extreme people? But that's what I'd like to ask the guy who you interviewed how long would he give Pep under this sort of current form? Well, he didn't, it, there was nothing in what he said that suggested he would, di- you
0: know, do anything about Pep, he was just saying. They're not going to win the league this year. That's, uh, there was nothing in. Uh, you only had a bit of it there, but there was nothing in what he, he never at any point even inferred that there should be a, a you know a movement on from from Pep. Um, I don't know what he thinks, but, yeah. but but you know these are extreme views, aren't they?
2: <laughs> uh, Twitter is a bloodbath after a defeat and thank God we didn't have it in Division 2 but you do get you'll get like we played in Division 2 once upon a time don't you know be grateful for where we are now be grateful and enjoy the success be grateful for the trophies be grateful for all the magical wonderful times and then you get the other side by Twitter accounts called Pepalogical or KDB baller and all this nonsense going pep out or that's nowhere near good enough and it is so polarised and it is so frustrating and you put your opinion out there and you're shot down straight away, oh but, but it's an opinion, we're allowed to be critical you know it doesn't mean that we hate Pep, it doesn't mean that stealing is suddenly absolutely useless we take every game as it comes and um, like we have been ha- what we've we been like the past couple of seasons we've praised. Honestly, it's been nearly every single game, magical, wonderful, phenomenal, fantastic, unbelievable, out of this world. So we have to flip it around and take the rough with the smooth and be able to give the opinion and give the criticism if it's necessary. But it doesn't mean that we're not fans because we'll always be here. We were here long before the money. We were here before the shake. We'll always be here. Keep the faith. That's, it's, at one point, it was blind faith, wasn't it? So. <laughs> That's all we know.
3: That's a reflection of the society we live in, though, isn't it? For taking it broadly, it's like the most extreme people tend to be heard more because they make their voices clear. If I've got a. You might. <laughs> We're here putting our views across. If I was to put really bland views across, like, oh, I don't really care who plays at the weekend or what's what the starting lineup is, it's pretty boring and you're getting nothing out of me. I'm gonna make a decision, I'm gonna say something. So the people who have those neutral views that are like, well it's not gone yet, but it's still difficult, they're not gonna put that on Twitter because it's not interesting and it doesn't get likes and people don't see it. Whereas the people who have extreme views, they're the ones that everyone engages with and that's what everyone sees. So clearly, for me, there's still a majority of City fans that are just like, well, it's difficult and we've got a lot of problems, but the title's still there. But you hear the people that have either got blind faith or are either doom and gloom completely. You hear them louder and it gives you sort of a a false sense of the opinion of the fan base, I think. So I think the, the majority is a silent majority at the minute. So on that basis, because you two were both at the game, and I know you were actually quite close to each
0: other, even though one ignored <laughs> the other. I like to back. I was really going over. But you know, you get, try and if you can. I know it's difficult to do this because you've been talking from a personal point of view, and have both expressed your your opinions uh, perfectly. And thank you for doing that. But what do you what do you feel was the typical? view of the ones who I'm not hearing from tonight and who might not be on Twitter and who might not have made a comment. Did they walk away from that game en masse, angry, upset, fed up, depressed or optimistic or what was your feeling of the majority?
2: I saw a lot of people saying that like after the game, um, saying that there was. it looked like there'd been a fire alarm at 80 minutes a lot of people walking out. I I didn't really notice that, maybe because I was so immersed in the game. Happens every week. I did. And so, like, I was so frustrated and going irate, so apologies in 117, because if if you heard a a Crazy Lady, it was me, um, always. But around me, I think it was just more like a bit of state of disbelief. Um, I I wouldn't say it's an air of entitlement from fans. There might be, like, sections of fans... Who, who may feel entitled and I'd say that the expectations these days are so high that certain fans would expect to turn up and not, I'm not saying turn Wolves over but expect a much better performance than we put, put on in the day on the day um, but I am of the inkling where every team that comes to the Etihad or where we go view us as a scalp because we're the champions so I'm of the inkling that a team will raise the game. And at the moment, I am kind of don't know what to expect from each game, taking every game as it comes. I'm not looking at the, the fixtures and thinking, right, yeah, Wolves at home, 3-0 When I'm kind of thinking, hang on a minute, it could be tricky that Wolves are a decent side. You know, they'll come and they'll give us a good game. So, yeah, the uh, teams could raise the game because who doesn't want to get points off the champions? But generally, it was... Around me, it was a bit of a state of disbelief and, what, have I just watched? That's, that's a bit weird. Like, that's, that, that's not the city that we know of recent times.
3: So, for me, two blocks away, so we're not going to have much of a <laughs> different opinion, really. It's not like a quite... <laughs> but it was, it's pretty similar. It was... Everyone was going, this is, this is not good enough. We're, we've not been on it today. The simple things weren't working. The complicated things we usually do weren't working either. If we carry on like this, there's no way not a chance in hell we're going to win the title this year. So actually really... that guy
0: was reflecting then um, what the <coughs> people were saying. But, that's... And
3: that, but he was saying it's over. The people around me and, and me myself are going, if we continue like this, it's over. Not, it's over now after today. No one around me said, oh, it's, not, it's over now. Because it'd be silly to say that and the people around me weren't saying that. They were just saying it wasn't good enough. Treating it just by today. Saying we're not good enough at the minute and if we continue as we are, we can't. What annoyed me is the the south the south stand's always good always always vocal people always stay to the end I always find in the south stand I, I I'm in one one nine which is the right on the corner uh, the opposite corner to the away fans it looks along down the uh, the Colin Bell stand and um, people are leaving at eighty five minutes or so one nil down and it's like why where are you going We're one nil down we need a goal to get a point. And, and, people and it's are a quarter to be, four on a
0: Sunday afternoon. It's not yeah, like it's, it's not, a no night one's going, no
3: one's going No school in, no school in the morning, like, as if it's like, well, there is, but not at that time. You don't have to go home now. People are leaving and it's like, they don't even care. You say, and there was it wasn't that vocal. The Wolves fans were really good. One well, of the best away support I've, yeah. see, I've seen in a while. It was really good. We had a good bit of banter with them as well. And I just felt like there's so many people in that stadium who are just there to be entertained. It's like a theatre now, it's football. go watching football, not where I am, but for the rest of the stadium, it's like people go there to be entertained, they te- you know, they've got the food, it's a full day out, it's an experience, but then they don't treat it like a theatre with 10 minutes to go. I've never been to a theatre performance and left five minutes before the end, because you want to see the whole thing.
2: It's been sanitised as well, though, with the um, all the, all the um, further introductions of more corporate sections. So it's the whole thing has been sanitised down because corporate sections aren't going to be going crazy and going wild either, are they? So, I mean, that's a whole different discussion, and we could sit here yeah. for hours discussing atmosphere, and we have done in the past.
0: We will do again, I'm and sure, because
2: it's a continuing issue. Um, the, yeah, there's a guy in front of me as well who's going. oh, scouts is going to have the open top bus out tonight. And I think it's that pressure as well because obviously everybody knows that Liverpool want it so badly and is it okay? Well, if they want it more so we're witnessing it, aren't we? I've just said that there's no desire no passion. I want to see it at Palace I want to see them really fired up and if I don't then there will be questions because they they need it at Palace. They, they need that bounce back um, but at the moment I kind of feel like Liverpool felt it being so close last season and they I've really got that fire in the belly and they're coming back and they really want it this season. And we just don't. So do we deserve it if we don't actually want it?
4: What were the fans like near you, you, Will? Well, it's not going to be much different because I'm a block down from those two. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
3: Sam (laughs) Sam Standers on. We need some (laughs) some diversity in the going
4: team. The one thing I did notice, though... um, which actually pleased me is at the full time whistle there wasn't people sort of you know stomping and shouting and getting angry it was like emily said it was a bit of disbelief but it was almost like the gallows humor as well that we are famous for you know people just sort of laughing and not not having having a joke and a laugh but it's their way of getting past it you know what i mean and and i can't do that i can't go home and be angry and take it out on other people because it, it just doesn't make sense you've just got to see it for what it is it's sitting we lost a game get on with it
0: I actually thought that, I mean we haven't talked about the Zagreb game uh, last Tuesday uh i actually thought city played this is just my view played really really well in that game i loved the game i watched it i know it was frustrating for a while because there wasn't a goal coming but the control of the game the zipping about the passing the creativity the movement and the personnel wasn't massively different than it was in the game against wolves it was a little bit different but it wasn't massively different so you would have thought that that would be uh, obtainable again you talked about the Watford game. City had played Shatar in midweek in Ukraine on the Wednesday and then played Watford and put eight past them on the Saturday. This time the Zagreb game was on the Tuesday and the Wolves game was on the Sunday. So fatigue and, and two games in a week and European, that certainly didn't play a part. So uh,
2: I, I thought Wolves Zagreb played, was
0: superb.
4: Plus, Wolves played, uh, played on
0: Thursday. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I really, really thought the Zagreb was superb. So in that sense, I didn't see this. Wolves' performance coming at
3: all? No, I didn't. I didn't see it coming either. Actually, um, I, as we all do, sort of, we go to the ground expecting a win. But you still, obviously, I've, I still get behind the team. But I, I do now. I get, unless it's a really big team like Liverpool coming. If you, you put if you're putting a bet on, you you put you're putting a bet on City to win. I know we've got all this typical City type stuff, but when you think about it logically, City at the minute at home. Well, not at the minute with the injuries, but typical city, the last couple of years, typical city, we are expected to beat everyone at home, perhaps by Liverpool maybe, even them. So I go into the game pretty confident, and we've been playing well, like you say. We played well against um, Zagreb, and we played well against Watford. They didn't really offer us anything uh, against us, but we played well. Um, But perhaps that was all just a bit of a, a facade for the for the issues that we've got underlying the squad at the minute. And well, Everton
0: away, a a I mean, and, uh, I said last week on the podcast, I thought 3-1 probably slightly flattered City, if I'm being honest. And Pep, as good as admitted that in the press conference ahead of the Wolves game by saying Edison had saved them, which he did. He was magnificent at Everton. So there have been little cracks. So I suppose to finish this week's podcast I want to know even though it's it's another 13, 12, 11, 10 days whatever it is away the Crystal Palace is the next fixture now I'm assuming that by then Kevin De Bruyne will be fit again because it sounds like he wasn't very far away for this one um, so I would imagine he'll be fit again um, there's a good chance that John Stones I think will fit again I don't think he's very far so I would imagine that both those two will be available for selection obviously Laporte and, and Sane won't be we don't know about Mendy, Men, um, Mendy's a...
4: back after internationals. Apparently, was it?
0: Well, I mean, I know it was supposed to be a hamstring problem that wasn't deemed to be a, my, a major major problem. So maybe he's back as, as well. So let's just, for the argument of this this discussion, assume that Kevin De Bruyne, Stones, and Mendy are all available. Um, what? What's? What? What do you? I mean, let's let's start at right back. Who starts at right back?
3: So for me, Kyle Walker starts at right back because. Cancelo so why, why, did, me why
0: hasn't did Pep take him off then?
2: He was poorly, apparently. He was poorly. Yeah, apparently um, he had a stomach infection. Um, so if he had a stomach infection, why start him?
0: Well, that's news to me. So thanks for sharing yeah. that. I appreciate. Yeah, that. He,
2: he was ill. Um, but my my question would be why start him if he's not well? So you know, um, yeah, I'd go with Walker as well if he's if he's if he's fit.
3: Yeah, I don't think Cancelo has proved yet that he's good enough to take over his position in a big game like that because it's a even though it might be against the biggest team it's a difficult opposition considering uh, the sellers park's always difficult to go to and it's massively important we get the three points so walker's proved he knows he knows the system better than Cancelo. even if some people might think Cancelo has been better at juventus or whatever he knows the system so i'd certainly start him um
4: yeah i think i still think walker is one of the best right backs in the premier league you need to say no more at that point. Then let's move it on to...
2: Who's marking Zaha? Yes, <laughs> that's
0: so, a crucial so one. Left back at the moment, it's it's Mendy, it's Zinchenko, it's Angelino. It's going to be one of them three, isn't it? Or so, Cancelo. So we're assuming that... Or oh, Cancelo, yeah, you're quite so right, Will. Zaha, yeah. So
3: I, let's assume Mendy's fit. I, I'm going Zinchenko for the fact that... They pose us a decent threat going forward. And in fact, I, I love Angelino. I think he was great in was it the League Cup game? Yeah, at Preston he was brilliant, and he came on for a few minutes at Watford as well. And He looked great for that as well with the time uh, that he had on the pitch. So, in a in a team that I don't against a team that I at home and I don't mind attacking because I don't think they can offer as much like Watford, I'd play Angelino. But against the likes of Zaha and stuff. Even though Zinchenko's not a defender himself and he's naturally an attacking midfielder, I think he still offers us a bit more brains in terms of knowing the system, knowing how to play at the back cause he did it all last year.
2: Oh, Zinchenko, I think, but I've kind of... Oh, I want him to prove me wrong because I've just not seen... he's not been nowhere near good no. enough this season and I hate seeing that because he was great last year. I, I'm rooting for him, but I have to go with Zinchenko, but yeah...
4: Yeah, complete agreement with Emily there. He seems like a lovely, lovely lad, but he really hasn't pushed on at all, I don't think, from last season. And to be honest, if Mendy's fit, then he's got to be starting for me. I'm with you, Will. Yeah. It'd be Mendy for me. So two
0: votes for Zinchenko, two votes for Mendy. Then you come to the centre of defence, mm. right? So John Stones is fit again. So you've got uh, John Stones, uh, you've got Otto Mendy, you've got potentially Fernandinho, in theory you've got Rodri. You know, you couldn't move Kyle Walker into central defence, but Cancelo at right back. There's lots of little, or of course you could bring in Eric Garcia or Taylor Bellis Harwood, which a lot of fans are saying should happen. So come on, let's see your central defenders. Was <whistles> <laughs> uh, well, that an agonising uh, noise yeah, then?
2: Yeah, Stones and Fernandinho, um, but I would like to see more of Garcia.
3: Um, I agree. Stones and Fernandinho. Um, if 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 there was a better option than Otamendi uh, as a as an alternative to Fernandinho, I'd be putting Fernandinho in centre defensive midfield and be putting obviously Laporte or someone someone better next to Stones. But because we've got no one to we've got no one to go next to Stones, unless it is Otamendi, it has to be Fernandinho for me, which is annoying because I'd rather just drop Rodri because he's not good enough at the minute for me, but. Yeah, That's an interesting one Centre
4: backs um, Otamendi's going to start Whether whether we want him to or not <laughs> Who do he- you want to start? Come on oh. Will <laughs> Stones and Garcia
0: Right, so you're bringing a youngster in Yeah,
4: But Mendy, I will bet my house that Otamendi will start against Palace Well, I what I would do uh, which is what
0: you were alluding to Adam is I would play Fernandinho in front of the back four yeah. uh, and f- come up with some system that allows that to happen. Um I'm not saying what that system is, but Fernandinho for me has to go back in that position. Nothing wrong. I mean, this is no criticism whatsoever of Fernandinho as a center back. He made he made a great block and that great header away. He reads the game very well and I would have him in my team every single week. He's he's wonderful. Um so I would definitely select him but I'd put him back into that that midfield role. Um, and then, of course, you know, do, do you start Mares on the right again? Uh, does does Sterling go on the right? Uh, do, what about Bernardo? Bernardo didn't start in this game. Jesus didn't start in this game. You would imagine that KDB comes back into that starting lineup. I don't think anybody's going to argue about
3: that if he's fit. So KDB comes back in. What's the rest of that makeup? So I do think we start Mares uh, wide. I think we need to have as much pace going forward as possible. Because I think when Palace. Palace like to counter-attack, and we can counter-attack that counter-attack. Their full-backs like going forward, they like bombing, their wingers like pressing high, and they're not going to be coming back as much as a Burnley, for example, who's going to sit back. They're not going to be sitting back at home. They might do a little bit at first, but they're going to want to try and get the win, because they know how good they are at home. They've seen the position that they're in in the league, so, you know, they're trying to get those points, they're confident, and I think if they do go forward, there's going to be quite a lot of space for us to run into out wide, and I think... Having Bernardo there, he's not fast enough for me down that side. He's better in midfield. He should start every week for me in midfield, yep. every single week. Why, why he was on the bench, I forgot to mention, why he was on the bench this week, I have no idea. He's my, without, without de Bruyne in the picture, Bernardo is my first choice central, he's my first choice attacking midfielder over David Silva by an absolute mile. He gives us everything in there. But he's either playing him on the bench or playing him on the wing at the minute, which is strange. So yeah, going back to the Palace game. I'm starting Sterling. I'm starting Marres either side, and you cut. There's an argument to put, for putting Jesus up top, considering how poor Aguero was. So, uh, <clears throat>
4: so Adam, you were saying uh, without KDB, um, Bernardo's your first choice yeah. attacking midfielder. Do you have him in the centre or do you have him on the right? Do
3: you mean oh? Uh,
4: I think well, we're by playing
3: for
0: just centre, aren't you? Yeah, he's
3: playing in the, the you know the two the two attacking roles. So you you're playing. He you would be playing De Bruyne and Bernardo, but with the way we are at the minute, I'm playing Silva and, and Bernardo. Yes. So just to throw it out there, do do you think Bernardo is wasted on the right? Yeah, hundred percent. I think he, he's he's got more legs than anyone in the world at the minute. He could like he could win. He could beat Mo Farah at the minute. He's just he can run everywhere. He's got the quality in the midfield. Um, he is the man that, that can drive us I think, drive us forward he is the next David Silva for me so Aguero, I think he's wasted on the oh, wing just like David Silva is If
0: it's going to be one striker is it? Is it Gabriel Jesus or is it uh, Sergio that starts and that's not a question that I thought I'd be asking really uh, because because he's almost been the default first choice Sergio but
3: is there a question mark now about who starts So Aguero's not on international duty is he from what I know, so again so that point for me to be playing Aguero, because Jesus will be flying. He'll be in South America somewhere, playing for Brazil. So he's not going to be as fresh as Aguero. So I I would rather him start Jesus, but I think he will start Aguero.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go like Sterling Mares. I would love to see Bernardo in the middle, but I, I just can't see him doing it. That's why I want to see him play. And obviously the elephant in the room who hasn't even been mentioned remotely is Phil Foden. And he came on the other night and scored almost instantly. So, you know, he won't play him at Palace, but...
4: Would you? No. I'd have brought him on at the weekend. I would
2: have brought him on against Wolves because why not? You know, we needed that pace and, and, like, we needed, like, a spark like a firework in the middle because there was just nothing, it was so pedestrian. Um, But yeah, I'd go with KDB and Bernardo in the middle, but I don't think he will. I think he'll go with KDB and, and David Silva in the middle.
4: Yeah, I okay. agree. Well,
0: obviously that game's still a while off, um, and this has been a, a you know quite a, probably some people perceive this has been a, a very negative <laughs> podcast. But you know what, when you lose at home to Wolves and you've already lost to Norwich, and you've dropped eight points, and you're in a title race that seems to be against a team who are going to drop very very few points, it's understandable. I think that that people are going to be quite critical, and I, I think we're just trying to reflect. Uh, the views in this room, uh, what, what fans are saying. So sometimes it is negative and there'll be people who hate that. Well, I'm sorry, but we're not here to necessarily agree with everything that you say. Uh, but of course, if you want to give us your views, if you listen to something in this, and um, you want to give us your views, then express them. And uh, sometimes I read them out. And next week, uh, you know, we'll have another podcast with another lineup. And by the way, next week because it's an international break, uh, Roger Reed, who was one of the instigators, of the original Junior Blues, is going to come down here and be a guest on the on the podcast. We've got Young Nathan, who was here a couple of weeks ago, and Paul. Ho- hopefully, that's going to be the lineup. It it can change for next week, so it'll be a different bit of a look and then of course we'll we'll be back after the next game against uh, Crystal Palace on the Sunday night again so thanks very much for listening charleslouis.co.uk are our sponsors on the podcast thanks very much to them they are all things chartered mortgages and anything to do with house buying have a look at the website charleslouis with no dots in it and Louis is L-O-U-I-S so charleslouis all in one word if you like .co.uk. have a look at that Dave's the man who's in charge of them if you've got any questions queries, any questions, anything you want to find out about, pick up the phone, give them a call and tell them you heard about them on Forever Blue. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you all again next time and hopefully by the time we next regroup or certainly after the next game, it'll be all, wasn't that marvellous? Wasn't he great? <laughs> wasn't that? Pr- How can anybody be critical? How did anybody great question? And well done United on that victory against her. <laughs> Look, The whole thing could be different, we, we hope. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Keep the faith.